and welcome to the Lead Pastor Podcast, a conversation designed to equip and inspire lead pastors. And I'm your host, Billy Phoenix. Well, thanks for journeying with us through this series of podcasts designed especially for lead pastors. This specific series is called What I Want My Lead Pastor to Know. And it's giving us a fantastic opportunity to sit down with some of the key staff and direct reports so that they can share just a few thoughts that they hope will shape the way that lead pastors think and lead. In this episode, I'm excited because we're sitting down with Bill Willits, who's the Executive Director of Ministry Environments here at North Point, which involves a lot of things. But today we're asking Bill to discuss what your group's ministry staff wants the lead pastor to know. Well, Bill, welcome to the show. We're excited you're here today. Um, Bill, tell us with your big title, what does that mean? What does it mean to be the executive director of ministry environments? Tell us what you do and and where you do it. All it means, Billy, is I work with a lot of really smart people uh, who get stuff done. So I work with our kid men, our student men, our adult men, uh, SPD, all those teams, and obviously, they're phenomenal leads in each of those ministry areas that do the lion's share of, of what it takes to make those ministry run. What I like to say I do is take the pebbles out of the road so they can be successful. And so I problem solve and help them be the best they can be. But at the end of the day, what I love to be a part in the sandbox I get to play in regularly is in adult ministries and group life. That's fantastic. Bill has a special place in my heart because Bill, a little 18 years ago, a little more than 18 years ago, Bill actually hired me into North Point Ministries, so I'm super grateful to Bill. But speaking of background, Bill, tell us your background and how did you arrive into this role? How did you arrive at North Point? So uh, I needed a job and North Point was available. Right. Uh, so so no. you arrived at North Point because you helped create North Point. <laughs> right, exactly. So we all knew each other as friends before the church ever existed. We actually worked together on staff with Andy at his dad's church. And about October of 95, the idea of continuing what God had begun was thrown out there. We were part of a previous work at First Baptist Atlanta and the North Campus. And so we just felt like God wasn't done yet. So we got into a basement, six of us, nothing elaborate, no offices, and just were ideating and really praying about what God might want to do. And so that's really was the genesis. Uh, of as they say, and the rest is history, which leads us to now. Exceedingly so. abundantly above what exactly. we could ask. Exactly. So him. we're going we're to uh, lead Bill back to where he started and talk a lot about groups today, and especially what most staff would hope that their lead pastors um, would know from the groups ministry's perspective. And so, Bill, I've heard you talk to lead pastors before about the importance of their voice when it comes to groups ministry. Why is the lead pastor's voice so important? I think it is so critical, Billy, because I think they have the most unique and most important voice for spiritual development in their church. Uh, Lead pastors, you can never underestimate what you have to say or what you actually do and how it impacts what people actually will eventually do themselves when it comes to group ministry. Your modeling, and we'll talk about that in just a couple of minutes, and what you have to say and how you say it will be the things that they listen to and will emulate. And so saying it regularly and saying it often is really a key piece, but we'll talk about all yeah, that. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, Bill, you've, you've arrived today with four things that you feel are important for any lead pastor to know when it comes to groups ministry. So tell us, tell us your first, because this is a really good one. Yeah, I, I think the first one is create a place for everyone. Our assumption is that people won't grow spiritually unless they're connected relationally. Because as we've talked about with the five faith catalyst, one of the things God uses in all of our lives are other people. 
It helps challenge us and grow us and to become the fullness of who God wants us to be. And so creating spots for wherever people are on their spiritual journey is so important. So that's why we create starting point groups for those who are spiritually curious or beginning to move or lean in away from being skeptics. That's why we have season of life groups like men's groups, women's groups, marriage groups. Our desire is to create places for everyone to be able to connect relationally because we don't think they'll grow spiritually unless they do that. We've also gotten in a really a niche approach with uh, folks who are just graduating from college. So we have just grad groups, those who are just getting married. That's why we have just married groups. We've even had just parent groups, people who are new to parenting. But we're looking at those low-hanging fruit, those felt-need areas where we could create some unique approaches to trying to connect people ultimately in a lifestyle so that they will be able to grow and become the fullness of who Christ wants them to be. Yeah, and, and Bill, you make a really great point that I think a lot of lead pastors would love for connection to happen, but there's nothing structurally within their church for them to do that. And it's a desire, but there's no strategy behind it. And it, it really is such a great reminder to sit down with your strategic team and look at how are we structured? What are we offering? And you know the desire's there, but unless we can create systems and create a structure to promote groups, it's not just not gonna happen. That's exactly, that's exactly right, Billy. I mean, I think, again, uh, thinking with what are some of the felt need areas has been a real attractive way for us to get a percentage of people who normally wouldn't be attracted to a typical group experience. There's a certain demographic that will be highly charged of connecting relationally with other people. But sometimes we have to use content that drives to community rather than community that drives to content. And I think that's why we've taken the approach with yeah. felt needs. Great reminder. I mean, and again, I'm not speaking bad about lead pastors because I was one. <laughs> but lead pastors tend to think, well, we need to get people in the room and talk at them. That's what their problem is. If they have a felt need, we need to talk at them instead of really getting people in to sit in a circle and talk to each other. Um, because really God moves in powerful ways, as we talked about one of our faith catalysts, is to leverage those providential relationships together. Well, Bill, your second point really speaks to the point that it takes more than a lead pastor just agreeing to have groups for this to work. It takes consistent buy-in. How have you seen this buy-in done? And what what is this buy-in that you talk about? Yeah, we cannot, Billy, I don't think, talk about group enough. If it is the final destination or the ultimate destination we'd like to see everybody get to, because that's why we say circles are better than rows. It's not a marketing. It's really where the next step on the formation part is. There are certain things that we can do that actually promotes that marketing effort, if you will. For example, we have annually, and in our early years, actually did it twice a year, gave two messages, and now we give an annual message around group life. So the whole, the whole message, the whole day is built around groups. Totally, and the ask is, take that next step, and many times, guys go dragged by their wives because their wives have been asked to. So many times, we will do a lot of direct marketing, not towards the women in the audience, but towards the guys in the audience, because many of our stories have been fantastic at being able to display the importance that other people have been in their journey. So that's been a huge piece. So the annual message has been a part. Leveraging group illustrations in message series, where we're doing a message series, and it's easy to drop in a group reference in the middle of that because it just plays easily as a next step opportunity. I love the fact in most of our series, Andy will start off by saying, and if you want to discuss this in your group, 
go to this website, which has all the uh, study questions. But he is subtly reminding people that they can move from just information, ultimately, to conversation and application through a group experience. And so it's just a subtle way to kind of drip market, if you will, uh, group. I love the fact that many times, in fact, I think during one season, we estimated it was 85% of our baptism stories reference some kind of group experience, whether a starting point group or a regular community group. So I love when a lead pastor coming out of a baptism story that references some other people in their group talks about the importance of group life. It's just, it's a low-hanging fruit right in the middle of that. And then occasionally we'll do this during key connection seasons is we'll leverage different video options. And we've done it from several angles. We've done it from connection and relationship. We've done it from care and support. We've done it from growth and what it has done in terms of propelling people onto transformative conversations. But we have a lot of different video assets that our partners could leverage if they so desired that helps them illustrate the importance of group. But we cannot talk about it because we think, well, we just talked about it. And then we look at the calendar. And, oh, yeah, that was six or nine months ago. Yeah. 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 It really, it really is a great reminder to lead pastors that that service time and being able to weave that in and out of every aspect of communication from the stage really is a constant reminder that the DNA of our church is around community. And it really is. Uh, I've heard lead pastors say before, our church model won't fully function if you're not going to agree to give groups a try. And to be able to do that, that's really a part of a lead pastor's decisions and to be able to uh, leverage that time. You know, through the years, Bill, we've seen lead pastors agree to, and other churches agree to, go toward a group's model. But more so, we find that they're agreeing to wedge a group strategy into an existing church structure. In other words, they're just trying to push groups onto all the other stuff that they're doing. And this often causes problems, and it often causes groups to never take root. And so three or four years later, they'll say, well, groups just didn't work here. What happens in those situations? And more importantly, what are you asking lead pastors to do so we don't end up there? Yeah, I, I think, Billy, one of the most important things that lead pastor can do is be careful that they are not creating multiple competing strategies for their staffs to have to execute. I think we all know that people have limited time these days, and so they can't do everything. You have limited as a church, limited resources and limited staff leadership time, and so you can't lead everything. People certainly need clear steps because they can't do everything. So limiting the options, clarifying what the destination is you want. I mean, we talk about it. We're not a program-based. We're steps-based because we're trying to leverage the environment of community to answer the question for a lot of things, uh, spiritual development, leadership development, care concerns. There's so many pieces that that takes care of. But if we continue to add, 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 we've created uh, multiple competing strategies. So one challenge I would just say, do you have competing strategies in your local church? And if so, how can you begin a process of tooling it down? I love what uh, Jim Collins has said. He said, most organizations are not going to die from not having enough to do. They're going to die from having too much to do. Yeah. I, I love the fact that there was a church, and you know and familiar in the, in the community, that had a billboard out in the local mall that said, come visit us. We have 164 ministries for you and your family. And it told me a couple of things. It told me... One is that they have a very tired staff, but it also told me 
that they are basically leaving the marketing of their church to whatever or whoever they run into last. And so may or may not be the ultimate or best next step for that individual, but it's just creating fog. And when we have multiple strategies that are all good, it's not that they're bad, they're just confusing. And so how can we narrow the focus? How can we clarify uh, the ultimate destination, recognizing that people really do have limited time and uh, we have limited leadership capacity. Yeah, and, and also uniquely, groups, the group's commitment is larger than a once-a-year type ask. So in other words, for groups to work, you're asking people to sit together twice a month, you know, yeah. once a month Minimally, at yeah. the very minimum. Yeah. Um, and so to be able to have all of these other options, those become competing strategies when somebody says, well, I'll just go to this thing that meets twice a year. And they're going to miss out on the opportunity of what it means to step up a little bit more. And I think, you know, Bill, I've heard you talk before how this in our day and age, a lot of times you'll see this come, come the tension comes in churches that are trying to wedge in a groups model with Sunday school. That's right. nothing against Sunday school. We grew up with Sunday yeah. school, right? I used to lead it, yeah. Right, exactly. So this isn't anything against Sunday school, but that seems to be a high competing factor in a lot of churches. Do you see that? Yeah, they're well-intentioned because there they are on Sunday morning. We can leverage them around season of life and we can get them in. The challenge is is you got about an hour to connect people. And we found that Sunday school is very effective at connecting people, but it's not as effective in engaging people because typically you get your second message of the day in most Sunday school settings. So if Sunday school can get repurposed, in some cases I've seen it done wonderfully, where it is around season of life, but it is meant to be the first step. Uh, in really the organic connection area for people to take the ultimate step into a small group. Or I've seen it just to be around content and then just leave the community part for a small group. So it can work in tandem, optimally minimizing those competing strategies is best because, again, in the 21st century, people have so many things and so many options and uh, such little time. Bill, this last one, number four, is, is pretty personal, but it's really, really important. What is, what is number four? Number four is model the way. And by that, I mean be in a group, lead a group, be a part of the process. But we all know this, is that the people in our churches will be motivated by what we say, but they'll emulate what we do. And so it cannot be overstated for a lead pastor when they can talk from personal experience about their group. Again, without divulging the particulars, but talking about the importance of that group experience for them. So one of the things I've appreciated about Andy for the past 23 years, in fact, 25 years we go back, he and Sandra have been in a group from day one. Now they don't need more friends, I don't need more friends, you don't need more friends, but they have continually been in a group for two reasons. One is because it has kept them connected and grounded with a few. But it has also allowed them to operate from personal experience. And so when he is speaking or he's providing an illustration, he can actually do it in a very forthright way because he's in a group, experiencing group, on Monday night just like he has for the past 23 years. I love the fact, too, that it allows him with just an added sense of credibility when it comes to our annual pushes for connecting people into groups to be able to talk about it in the first person. 
not about they and what they're experiencing, but this is what we've experienced, what I have experienced and what God has done in our particular group. So there's a lot to be said about talking about groups often having enough options for people in group and not creating competing strategies. But I think you want to talk about one thing that is probably the most important thing for group life in your local church. It's that senior leader actually modeling the way for his congregation or her congregation and staff and being in a group themselves. Recognizably, Elite Pastor has a lot of excuses why not to. You know, they've got plenty of stuff to do. You know, Andy has sat in groups before, and I know they've processed questions about a message that he did. And so that's often a little bit awkward, but it's the community piece of it, be able to sit there. And it doesn't even mean you have to lead the group. Just to be in community is such a buy-in among the community around you, the congregation that watches you and realizes, wow, if my lead pastor feels like he or she needs community in their lives, I need it as well. Well, Bill, thanks so much for joining us today and for all you do to create these connective environments for community to happen. Your team really does remind us that circles in a group are really better than sitting in an anonymous row on Sunday. So, and to you, the listeners, we hope you'll share this podcast with other pastors you know and give us some feedback on future content. Our goal, as always, is to help you maximize your potential as a leader, as well as guide your church to its maximum potential. So until next time, thanks for joining us on the Lead Pastor Podcast. Hey, before we go, if you're a partner, check out the conversation guide to go with today's podcast on northpointpartners.org. If you're not a partner but want more information, click on the Explore Partnership link in the show notes.